This is the Man Patriot Podcast, episode 15. Welcome to the Man Patriot Podcast. My name is Dumo Denga. As always, guys, if you like Man Patriot, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us financially, you can do so at manpatriot.com forward slash donate. I repeat, manpatriot.com forward slash donate and you can make a donation as little as 10 rand. If money is an issue and money is tight and you can't make a financial donation, it is not a problem. You can share this podcast with your friends and family. It helps get the word out there. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also follow me on Spotify and also on uh, Twitter and SoundCloud and wherever. All the my social media links are in the description box on youtube and on soundcloud it's in the information box all right guys that brings us to the end of the first segment let's go to the next segment If you think South Africa could not get worse, if you, think, if you thought things could not get any worse, well, guess what? You have been proven wrong. The president a few weeks ago decided to sign a new carbon tax bill. And guess what happened? Now we have to pay nine cents more in petrol. Yes, every time we go to the petrol station, we have to pay nine cents more. And how many price hikes have we had in petrol ever since Ramaphosa came in? Ridiculous. Where does that money go? Why even sign a carbon tax bill? We've got an unemployment rate of 27.6%. 27.6%. It has actually increased in the last quarter by 0.6%. But guess what? We have to sign in a new carbon tax bill to save the environment. I don't know if you remember when Donald Trump went into power in 2016... No, was it 2016 or 2017? But anyway, he won the election in 2016. He actually pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. And why did he do that? Because he said that they were putting so much money into the Paris Climate Accord 
China was still able to pr produce as much as they want and they pushed a, a lot of CO2 into the atmosphere. And guess what? You know, even if they put so much money into it, talking from America's perspective, it's only going to reduce the global temperatures by like 0.3%. So is it worth putting billions into a fund that's only going to, you know, reduce the temperatures by a very small amount? Insignificant, in fact. But yeah, that's what happened. And now South Africa, we look at the first world and we say, oh, look at all this progressive stuff that they're doing. And what do we do? We signed a new carbon tax bill. So guess what, people? Now, since you voted, uh, and I'm not trying to blame ANC voters here, but people voted for the ANC and now we have to pay more. That's what happens. Pay more. Now, more money is going to go into the government's pockets while there's less money in ours. And it probably won't even save the environment anyway. It's just another way, in my opinion, for governments to get tax revenue away from people. Because now what I'm thinking is that the government is finding it very difficult to find tax revenue to support its bloated government and social programs. And as a result of that, they're trying to find other means to actually get um, some cash. And that is not sustainable because eventually what's going to happen is that people are going to leave. They're going to leave their money elsewhere. They're going to take their money elsewhere rather. But that's really what happens in a nutshell when you try to push all these taxes onto people. In France, they tried that, the carbon tax, and people protested, you know, because, you know, they, they, they had enough. And now with us, I mean, you know, VAT went up off the VAT. Now there's petrol price increases and so forth and so forth. It's getting well out of hand. Anyway... A teacher got suspended, all right, for carrying a gun, all right, while, invest, while invigilating exams. So according to News24, the Mpumalanga Department of Education has suspended a male teacher of Mabusabesala Secondary School in Valtafrida near Siabuswa for allegedly invigilating a grade 11 media examination while holding a gun in his hand. The department said on Friday. Very interesting. If the teacher felt unsafe, maybe he had a good reason to bring the gun into the uh, into the exam. It reminds me of what my father said. He said when he was younger, he had a teacher that actually carried a tomahawk, like a little axe, at school just for self-protection. So it's interesting. I wonder why he actually brought that along. Maybe the kids were... I think the kids got scared as a result of that. And yeah, and now he's suspended. And let's see what the outcome of the investigation will be. Another story that occurred last week was SAA requests a 4 billion rand bailout. 4 billion rand. So as always, guys, you know, these state-owned companies, you know, they, they, they're making losses. They cannot generate enough money to cover their cost of operations and I think these companies need to be allowed to fail or they need to be sold. And, you know, a lot of changes need to happen because right now, again, taxpayers are paying billions and billions to keep these guys afloat. And it's not right. It's not right at all. We, we also saw the SAA CEO, the, the previous 
SAA CEO also resigned last week as well. Well, the, not last week, the week before. And I think it's out of frustration. So now they're asking for another bailout, which is totally incredible. And um, yeah, I think they need to face the justice, or not the justice, but the fury of the free market. Milton Friedman put it this way. He says that when a private organization makes a mistake, they stand to lose market share, they stand to lose revenue, they also stand to lose um, their share price and so forth. And they could actually be um, kicked out of the market, not by some official, but, you know, as in they are priced out that consumers decide to buy alternative products, which makes them less relevant. They have, the, they face those things. But um, government organizations, when they make a mistake, their departments or whatever, they get expanded or they get a bailout. That's exactly what happens. So if people want to talk about how state-owned entities or state-owned um, enterprises are needed, why are they needed? If you want to argue that point, why are they so inefficient? Why is it that the private sector always does better? Because in the private sector, the in the private sector, the incentives are well aligned. But in the government sector, the incentives are not. They know that if they perform badly, they'll always get a bailout regardless. That's the problem. So SAA, you need to allow you need to be allowed to fail. Also, guys, GDP has gone down by 3% subsequent to the national minimum wage and carbon tax bill. I'm going to discuss that later on in the podcast. I also want to focus on solidarity. What I want to actually focus on is solidarity launching a 4.5 billion rand project, including an alternative school system and university. Now, this is very interesting, given what's been happening in, in the in South Africa. So according to Business Tech, it states that trade union solidarity has announced plans to roll out a 4.5 billion network of work project which will build alternative educational and work opportunities. The project called the Solidarity Network will include a comprehensive alternative school system, an occupational training college, a university, financial aid for education, a youth movement, a network of occupational guilds, mentorships, job placement, protection in the workplace, and continued education, the group said. The aim of the network is to accompany its members throughout their whole career path, said Dr. Dirk Herman, Chief Operations Officer of Solidarity. Now, I saw this on Twitter, and, you know, again, you know, woke Twitter, man. Oh, my goodness. Lord help, woke Twitter. These guys went crazy saying, oh, you know, racist doing this. Oh, no, it's just white people benefiting and what, what. But I'm like, guys, these are people taking their own future into their own hands. They are saying, government, you know what? You guys are hopeless. We're going to build our own schools. We're going to build our own networks, build our own companies. They are doing that. All right. So why isn't other South Africans are doing it. Why are we so dependent on the government? When these people want to take out, a, take a step in improving their lives, it's seen as a bad thing. In my opinion, I think it's a good thing because the private sector always does better than the government sector. And I encourage other people, all right, who are not part of this um, 
or, or solidarity to do their own thing as well. I mean, now we, we're seeing that even in the townships now, they're starting to build their own private schools there. And I'm like, that's a good thing. So let's do it. So other people, please, man, you know, do it. You know, build your schools, build the companies, do what you need to do. As long as you rely less on the government, I'm cool with that. All right. Now, let's go back to the GDP question. So, GDP quarterly results were released by StatsSA not too long ago. And they have brought some very, 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 very startling findings. Right? If you look at in quarter one compared to the previous quarter in 2018, real GDP went down by 3.2%. Uh, and on a year-on-year -year basis, it, it was virtually unchanged. All right? So I just want to just go through the definition of, of GDP quickly, just for those viewers who don't know what GDP is. Okay, GDP, it stands for Gross Domestic Product. And it is a monetary measure of the market value of all the final goods and services produced in a specific time period, often annually. But in South Africa, it is quarterly. All right. There are two main approaches. All right. Well, there's actually three approaches to measuring GDP. All right. There is the one based on income. Okay. And then there's also um, GDP based on expenditure and GDP based on production. All right. So when you look at the GDP based on expenditure, this is just the sum of all consumer spending, government spending, investments, and net exports, which is um, exports minus imports. And then when you look at um, GDP based on production, um, this is the reverse of expenditure. So instead of measuring inputs, input costs that feed economic activity, the production approach estimates the total value of economic output and deducts costs of immediate goods that are consumed in the process, like those of materials and services. All right. The expenditure approach projects forward from costs. The production approach looks backward from the vantage of, of a state completed economic activity. Okay, let me read that again. So the expenditure approach projects forward from costs. The production approach looks backwards from the vantage of a state of completed economic activity. All right. So now when you look at GDP based on income, all right, um, considering that there are other side of the spending coin is income. And since what you spend is someone else's income, another approach of, to calculating GDP, something of an intermediary between the other two approaches is the income approach. Income earned by all the factors of production in an economy includes the wages paid to labor, the rent earned by land, the return on capital in the form of interest, as well as the corporate profits. The income approach factors in some adjustments for some items that don't show up in these payments made to, made to factors of production. For one, there are some taxes such as sales taxes and property taxes that are classified as indirect business taxes. In addition, depreciation which is a reserve that is that businesses set aside to account for the replacement of equipment uh, that tends to wear down with it with use is also added to the national income 
All this constitutes national income, which is used both as an indicator of implied production and implied expenditure. All right, so there are three main approaches. Okay, so if you look at Stats SA, they, own, they use two main approaches, all right? They used, if not, they used the income. No, I'm lying. They didn't use income. They actually used um, the GDP measured by production and the GDP measured by expenditure. All right. So as I mentioned earlier, real GDP went down by 3.2% on a quarterly basis. On a year-on-year -year basis, it remains virtually unchanged, which is not good. Not good at all. So if you look at the primary sector, the primary sector went down by 11.4% and that includes agriculture and mining. Agriculture went down by 13.2% while mining went down by 10.8%. According to the reports that StatsSA released, decreased production was reported for field crops and horticultural products. Mining, decreased production was reported for other mining and quarrying including diamonds, iron ore, and coal. Secondary sector, which includes manufacturing, electricity, and construction. Secondary sector went down by 7.4%. Manufacturing went down by 8.8%. Electricity, 6.9%. And construction, 2.2%. So according to the reports, the manufacturing, the decline, was driven largely by petroleum, chemical, and plastic products, motor vehicles, parts and accessories, and wood, paper, publishing, and printing. Electricity, the cause of the decline, was neg the negative growth was driven by a fall in the volume of electricity and water distributed. And with regards to construction, the decreases were reported for residential and non-residential buildings, as well as the construction works and activities. All right. In the tertiary sector, it went down by 0.7%. So trade went down by 3.6%. Transport went down by 4.4%. Finance went up by 1.1%. Government went up by 1.2%. And personal services went up by 1.1%. So if you look at trade, it was weaker performance was reported in wholesale, retail, and motor trade. So people are producing less. With regards to transport, a decreased activity was reported for land, transport, passenger and freight. Well, that could also be due to the, the increase in the prices in petrol that we've been seeing recently. And if you look at finance, it actually went up. The financial intermediation, real estate activities and business services contributed to growth. Okay. It's very interesting they're saying that given the fact that... Uh, there's expropriation of land without compensation bill that might be that's being drafted and also at the same time there it's actually going to be uh well it's they want to change the constitution as well to allow for it for expropriation of land without compensation so it's very interesting that um that actually went up real estate activities actually went up or maybe it's because people are leaving the country as well so they're selling their um their uh, houses and and so forth but yeah, I could be wrong. And if you look at government, the rising government was partly attributed to increasing employment numbers in the civil service. All right. So if you, you know, the, the, the report is very short and comprehensive. Um, it also gives you the largest and smallest industries in South Africa. The first one being finance and business services. Then, then, it, then it's followed by trade. No, I'm lying. 
It's followed by finance and business services, government, then trade, then manufacturing, then transport, mining, personal services, construction, electricity, gas and water, and agriculture. All right. Now, if, when you look at it from the expenditure point of view of GDP, um, on a quarterly basis, it went down by 3.4%. And on a year-on-year um, -year basis, it went down by 0.2%. So what's that what that is telling us is that people are spending less. All right? We're seeing less spending. Okay? So if you look at um, what they factor in, what you find out is that the government expenditure, no surprise, went up by 1.3%. So of course, um, you know, there's a whole fees must fall thing that went. They want to, um, well, I think they're already implementing this free education thing where they want to give, where they want to spend um, more money on people who can't afford university. So there's a lot of, there's been a lot in government expenditure. That has increased, no surprise, because our government is getting larger and larger. Household expenditure went down by 0.8%. Gross fixed capital formation went down by 4.5%. That means that there's less investments in the country. All right. So if you look at the definition of um, GDP from an expenditure point of view, all right, there was less private domestic investment, capital ex and capital expenditure. So there were less businesses spending money investing in their businesses. All right. So and and that is not a good sign because if people are not if businesses are not spending then that means that you know less people will be employed and so forth so there's not enough spending coming from business it's actually going down imports went down by 4.8 percent so some may say that that's a good thing but our exports went down by 26.4 percent which is bad all right so this is just the, the pointers or the things that people need to take into account you know um, why GDP is very important because if you don't understand what GDP is then it won't really matter to you it actually tells you how much is being produced if people are producing more or they're producing less okay and if people are producing less then that's a problem why are they producing less that is something that we need to look into. And uh, I think people need to understand that um, if people are producing less, then in the long run, that will have dire consequences. Because some will say, well, is, less is the less production or the fall in production, is it, how long is it going to last for? Is it short term? Is it long term? And so forth. And it, you know, it makes people worry. So you need to, you know, those of you who are not so clued up with GDP, you know, it's very important that you look at this. Because if you don't look at this, you may not get an, a good indication of how well the economy is doing. All right. And it's important that you get a grip on that. So please, listeners, get a grip on GDP. Learn some economics. Learn basic economics. I'm not saying that you need to be a, an expert at it. You just need to understand the basics of it. Because if you don't understand the basics of economics, many politicians can fool you. 
You know, they can come to you and say, oh, no, we can increase economic activity by printing money or something like that, right? I'm going to talk about the Reserve Bank shortly. But then if you don't know what GDP, if you don't know how to measure GDP, then or how it's measured or how it's calculated, you won't understand, you won't understand, you won't know that from an expenditure perspective, you know, government expenditure only makes up a small percentage of GDP from expenditure as a whole. As I mentioned, it only grew by 1.3%. Let me just give you give me let me just give you an indication here. Government expenditure makes about okay, no, this is not the okay, this is not it. Okay, I thought this was a, a contribution in terms of spending. Nope, sorry. I looked at the wrong statistics. Alright, my apologies. Alright, but it makes up it, it it makes up one of the let's say two three four five factors that are included in a gdp by expenditure calculation so printing money and spending is not the right way to um look at um improving gdp there's a lot of factors involved like what about household expenditure you know now, many of you guys will say, yeah, well, if we print more money, that means more money in people's bank's account. Therefore, they spend more. But then, what, what happens? You get inflation. So, printing money is not the solution. It's not the solution at all. It's an artificial way of um, growing the economy, and it's not sustainable in the long run. Okay. Um... Okay, so where am I now? Okay, so now I'm going to look at the comments on the Reserve Bank. The, the Reserve Bank issue has been a, a very touchy subject, but also at the same time, a lot of people have made irresponsible statements on um, the Reserve Bank and been gaining mileage on this. So remember in 2017, wasn't mistaken, the public protector, Busisiwe Mkweban, made a finding against the Reserve Bank. Okay? Um, and she ordered that, um, that, the, that, okay, let me put it this way. Let me just read you what the Mail and Guardian said. It said that, um, Okay, so I'm just reading from the middle of the article. It says, during the hearing on August, August 1st, the South African Reserve Bank opposed Mkwebana's order, which was part of a report released in June based on an investigation into the Bancorp bailout during the apartheid era. Okay, Mkwebana ordered the bank's mandate to be changed to ensure the social economic well-being of citizens and to achieve social economic transformation. So remember, I remember, I think, I think it was episode six or seven when I spoke about Venezuela and how if a country, how if a government takes over its uh, central bank and starts printing out money, how it leads to hyperinflation and the devaluing of the currency. So now, um, Kwebane decided, or she made a finding saying that the Reserve Bank Payment to Bancorp 
was a bailout. And as a result, the mandate of the Reserve Bank needs to be changed. And at this point, I was starting to get the feeling that maybe this um, Kweban is actually an agent or an agent rather of the, of the ANC. I think that is my uh, suspicion because, you know, uh, a few months later, Ramaphosa comes out and says that, tells Parliament rather, that they will nationalize the Reserve Bank. According to another article in the Mail and Guardian, uh, my advice is, I won't lie, the reporting in the Mail and Guardian is very good, but if you read the opinion section, oh my goodness, it's something else. Yeah, it's a, some, some will say it's a cesspool of SJWs, but anyway. So according to this report in the Mail and Guardian, I'm just going to read a, a, a small bit of it. It says, um, President Cyril Ramaphosa says the ANC's NASDAQ conference resolution to nationalize the South African Reserve Bank must be implemented. He was speaking during his final question and answer session for the fifth parliamentary term before elections. Answering a question by the DA leader Musi Maimane about policy certainty around the SARB, Ramaphosa said that nationalizing the Reserve Bank was not a mad program. Okay, let me just stop there. It is a mad program. It's mad. It's crazy. It's foolish. All right? Okay, let me read that. Ramaphosa said that nationalizing the Reserve Bank was not a mad program thought up by the ANC, but an international practice of countries wholly owning their central banks. Wow. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fact check that. I'm going to fact check that. I'm going to fact check that. Right. And just let's just reading that statement. All right. Ramaphosa also continued and said that South Africa is only one of the six countries in the world whose central bank is owned by, among others, external shareholders. Now, understand this. You see, why does Ramaphosa want this? It's very simple. They only want the reserve bank. Because, and I'll tell you why, that way they can control the Reserve Bank and they can print money whenever they want to and so forth. The Reserve Bank must remain independent. It has to remain independent. Okay? If it's not, if it's not independent, what actually happens is that the government, because now they don't answer to anyone, what happens is that they can print money like there's no tomorrow. And when they do that, the value of your currency decreases. And when the value of your currency decreases, what happens next? People will stop importing goods. Because why? Your values, your, your currency is useless. And Ramaphosa continues to say, it will confirm our sovereignty. The central bank is one of the most important institutions in the life of an, any country. Now, this is probably one of the worst statements I've ever read and heard of in my life. I remember Solnomics put a tweet out mentioning all the state-owned institutions and how they're all bankrupt. And then Ramaphosa says that, uh, that nationalizing the Reserve Bank will be a good thing when you look at all the other state-owned institutions that are running at a loss 
or are incompetent or incapable of fulfilling a task. Think about it. It's the same argument I used for against national health insurance. Go to the post office, go to home affairs, go to all these government departments where, where you're facing a government employee. Go to those places and you want those same people, that same institution to now run your health care? Now let's apply it to the Reserve Bank. You want these people that have been known for looting, that have known for incompetent service, to now run the Reserve Bank? This is madness. It's absolute madness. It's absolute madness. And so what if, if let's say it is true. Let's say it is true that South Africa is only one, one um, of six countries where their reserve bank is actually, um, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, owned by external stakeholders. The reason why it's like that is so that the government does not interfere. The whole point of the reserve bank is to ensure that when the economy grows, that there's sustainable growth, okay? It's to ensure that our currency does not get devalued hectically or too quickly. So they set interest rates to the banks. Banks lend from them, and the rate that they have is the repo rate between the bank and the reserve bank. And let's say if it is true, what are the implications if we actually left the Reserve Bank in the hands of private stakeholders, it's not like it's going to get worse if we leave it amongst external stakeholders. Where will it get worse? It'll get worse when the government owns the damn thing. This is the problem. I mean, if someone had to just do a, a good con conceptual analysis of state-owned enterprises and of um, and uh, government ownership and private ownership, and then just look at the track record. Look at the track record of the Reserve Bank. It's decent. It's good. It's fantastic. They've been doing a good job. Why does the government need to own them? And I'll tell you why. The reason is they want control. This is what socialist countries do. This is what socialist nations do. Socialism is going to be the death of South Africa. It has destroyed many nations around the world. It has a hundred and it has a hundred percent record at failure. And now, this is what these guys want to do. They want to go out there and own the means of production. And this is one way of doing it. They want to own the central bank so that they can control money. Nicolas Maduro did the same thing when the oil price dropped in Venezuela. What did he do? Printed out money. Printed it out, printed, 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 printed. Guess what? Venezuelan economy collapsed. Or not collapsed, but the... Okay, the economy did collapse, but also at the same time, the value of the currency collapsed. Zimbabwe, they did the same thing. There's an article here. I just want to um, read it. 
you know, so, okay, it's not an article, but it's just a little statement. So let me just tell you, something. you know, this is crazy. So what happened was in Zimbabwe, when they decided to print out money, they printed out this money to help the economy grow. And guess what happened? They were hit by hyperinflation in 2008 and prices rose as much as 231 million percent in a single year. So let me put it this way. They said, imagine a sweet for the American listeners candy, which cost one Zimbabwean dollar before inflation would have cost 231 million Zimbabwean dollars at the end of the year. Venezuela tried this. Zimbabwe did it. And look what happened. South African state-owned institutions are performing badly. I mentioned in the episode 6 about the healthcare issue, where there are no oncologists in the public sector in KZN. There are zero oncologists. Because the health department is is run poorly yet more and more money is being pumped into it but yet Ramaphosa expects people to think that um, that South Af- that the government owning the reserve bank is a good thing when the reserve bank has done no wrong and it all started with the public protector anyway Esma Khashule, um, he had a press briefing at Lutuli House in Johannesburg about the outcomes of the party's National Executive Committee. Uh, if, I, if I pronounce this correctly, Lechotra, over the weekend. Okay. So Mahashule said that the NEC, the ANC's highest decision-making body, between the conferences had agreed that the Reserve Bank's mandate should be expanded. So this is why I say the public protector is an ANC agent. First, the public protector says it. Then Esma um, Khashule comes out and says it. All right. And apparently, if you look at the mandate, the mandate is they're going to expand it beyond price stability to make it an active agent in economic transformation and job creation. This is by far the biggest load of BS I've ever seen in my life. There are many ways to improve the economy. There are many ways to create jobs and you're not going to do so by nationalizing the Reserve Bank. Think about it this way. Our GDP went down by 3.2% right now. All right? We saw that the industries that were hit was manufacturing. So how are you going to make it, how are you going to assist with GDP growth? You have to incentivize production. How do you incentivize mass production? Okay, first of all, you've got to reduce barriers. Number two, the minimum wage. You've got to kill the minimum wage. That has to go. You've got to reduce regulations. Look at the regulations that are in place that make it difficult for companies to hire people. 
you got to allow people to get a chance at escaping poverty. If people don't have that chance, GDP won't grow. It will not grow. You got to reduce the taxes. So far, we got so much taxes to pay. There's so many ways to improve it. So when someone says that they want to nationalize the Reserve Bank or not nationalize, but expand the mandate of the Reserve Bank for economic transformation and job creation, they're lying to you. It's just a bunch of socialists trying to convince you that the government, that more government power is required. The government needs no business in the Reserve Bank. So after Ace Mahashule's comments, um, he was contradicted by Tito Mbueni and Enoch uh, Gondwana. And they contradicted his statements. And, uh, you, know, you know, Tito Mbueni was... Was uh, he, he expressed exasperation. So in a Twitter post on Tuesday, he wrote that he was reaching a point of total exasperation with continued attacks and obsession with the South African Reserve Bank. And he wrote, let us leave the South African Reserve Bank alone to pursue its mandate without fear, favor or prejudice, he wrote. Read it again. Let us leave the South African Reserve Bank alone to pursue its mandate without fear, favor, or prejudice. Very interesting that he said that. Then, very interesting, Ramaphosa comes back. All right? And, this, and he says this. He says, it's very interesting what he said here. Okay, so according to this article on IOL, all right, this is what it reads. It says, President Cyril Ramaphosa has moved to the defense of Finance Minister Tito Mbuweni and ANC Head of Economic Transformation, Inoch Kodongwan, uh, oh, sorry, Kodongwan, on the ANC's internal battles over the mandate for the SA Reserve Bank. His move follows a public spat among party leaders after Secretary General Esma Khashule announced this week that the ANC's National Executive Committee uh, had resolved to push for the expansion of the SR, SARB's mandate. Mahashule said that the, Le, the, sorry, the Lekhotra had agreed to expand the central bank's mandate beyond the price stability to also include growth and employment, which in my opinion is a BS statement, a claim disputed by Mbueni and Kodongwana, who both said who both had said such no decision has been taken. The two accused Mahashule of recklessness and worsening policy uncertainty through his remarks. Very interesting that Tito Mbueni and Godongwana said stated that and accused Mahashule of saying this. But when um, when um, Ramaphosa made that statement to Parliament, no one in the ANC accused Ramaphosa of saying that he's being reckless by saying that the national by, by saying that the reserve bank has to be nationalized no one said that but when ace says it i'm not defending ace but when ace says it seems to be a problem i mean i think ace probably would have said but no you know the public protector recommended it and now ramaphosa wants to nationalize it 
and now you guys are coming you're saying this all right so now um okay so so it says here that ramaphosa said the officials had reiterated the anc's policy positions on the independence and role of the reserve bank as set out in the constitution just keep this in mind the constitution sets the role of the reserve bank as protecting the value of the currency in the interest of balance and sustainable growth it further states that this mandate must be exercised in regular consultation with government through the cabinet minister responsible for national financial matters. This policy has not changed, Ramaphosa said. Well, now check this out, check this out. In 2017, the ANC resolved, the national, resolved to nationalize the Reserve Bank, but, but abandoned it following political differences with its alliance members. Ramaphosa said nationalizing the bank was not a priority, adding that the recent spat over the central bank risked undermining the confidence of South Africans and investors. Duh. Then why did you say this back in 2017? It is our desire for the South African Reserve Bank to be publicly owned. After, listen to this. Ramaphosa said that nationalizing the Reserve Bank was not a priority, adding that the recent spat over the Reserve Bank risked undermining the confidence of South Africans and investors. Then, in another separate statement, he says, it is our desire for the South African Reserve Bank to be publicly owned. However, we recognize that this will come at a cost, which, given our current economic and fiscal situation, is simply not prudent. No, 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 Ramaphosa, let me, let me correct that for you. You must say, it is our desire, well, the ANC's desire, for the reserve bank to be owned by the government not publicly owned however we recognize that this will come at a cost which given any economic circumstances and fiscal situation it is simply not prudent at all leave the reserve bank don't touch the reserve bank <sighs> This is what I'm talking about, guys. This is what happens when you allow socialists to rule the country. You're going to get this mess where you've got these ideologues trying to tell you what needs to happen next, knowing very well that it's going to be destructive, but they still push for it anyway. This is the foolishness that exists within our government today. And it's a problem. It's a massive, massive problem. So please, guys, when you hear this nonsense about nationalizing the Reserve Bank and how it'll benefit people, it's not going to benefit anybody at all. It's going to make things worse. It's going to cause hyperinflation. So please, you know, if you meet any of your socialist friends next week, tell them that this is nonsense. Absolute rubbish. They may call you a sellout or whatever, but that doesn't make a difference. You know, you need to chase logic first before you chase these emotional ideologies. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. This brings me to the end of it. I'll see you all next week. And yes, if you like Manpatria, you can always like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and so forth. And if you want to support Manpatria, you can do so by making a donation at manpatria.com forward slash donate. I repeat, manpatria.com forward slash donate.
Yeah. 